Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Julia LaRoche Show. We're doing things a little differently today. I didn't drop an episode on Thursday because I was talking to tech billionaire Mark Benioff, the CEO of Salesforce at his company's Dreamforce conference out in San Francisco. If you're not familiar, Dreamforce is the largest software conference in the world. And Benioff told me that this was the most important one in its 20 year history. Keep in mind, this is the first major tech conference in San Francisco since the pandemic began, and the city continues to face major challenges. For this episode, we had just over 20 minutes with Benioff, and we packed in a lot in the conversation. We discussed everything from Salesforce's path to 50 billion in annual revenue, the future of work, public education, the environment, thoughts on San Francisco and its challenges, as well as its opportunities. I really enjoyed this conversation with Mark, and I think you will too. Mark Benioff, co-CEO and chair of Salesforce. Thank you so much for having me out here at Dreamforce. It is so great to be with you again. Julia, welcome back to Dreamforce. I think we were together in 2019. Yes, that's right. The Dreamforce before the pandemic. That's exactly right. And this is my first in-person interview for the podcast. So it's great to have you on. And, you know, you've talked about this Dreamforce being the most important of the 20 that you've had in the past. So why is that, Mark? Well, the thing that's interesting, Julia, is that I've been on the road talking to hundreds of customers. And you know, what I do is I write a version of the keynote that you saw on Tuesday. And then I go out and I present it to my employees, uh, my top employees, and then I go out and start presenting it to customers. And what was funny was I was very detached. There was really a separation for me and the employees and the customers, how I was communicating. And one one of the customers, an MVP, basically said, Mark, this is not a new day for customer success, which was the title of the presentation. They go, Mark, this is the great reunion. And it really stuck with me and it really energized the room when, when they said it, because people knew that they would come to San Francisco, 40,000 people would come to San Francisco and have this amazing energetic experience, $40 million going into our local economy. Every hotel sold out from here to San Jose. And this is the first time Moscone Center has really been able to be used in mass because most of the remodeling had just happened and finished as the pandemic started. So this is a really powerful time for us and I'm excited that it's gone so well. Yeah, and it's like a great reconnection. Um, You said that you've been on the road, you've been talking to a lot of clients and customers and you and I have talked about um, the future of work. I know you were talking about a new era for business and I think that you are really early to this that the world has changed. So what are your latest views right now on this kind of new era for business? Well, you're right. I immediately found that, you know, when this pandemic happened and I'm locked in my house and I didn't know what was happening, scared out of my mind. I mean, these were the early days on Zoom, you know, with all of my employees and my customers. And I said to myself, well, this is probably the forever virus. It's not like COVID is ever going to go away. So the world has changed. But what I didn't realize was that all these employees were being retrained how they work. And in a poll done by CNBC last week, I noticed that 86% of all of these employees say they don't wanna go back to the office. Now there's some good reasons to go back to the office. Mentoring, especially for young people, building community, you know, really understanding the culture, how to support, you know, the, not only the business, but all the stakeholders. There's good reasons to go back to the office, but we're never going fully back. And that's one of the reasons that we bought Slack is because we're not going back. Yeah, um, I want to bring up a theme with you and you mentioned buying Slack, um, which is a great messaging tool. I feel like I, all of my work is done over Slack and I'm sure 
yours is yours is as well. But there's this um, idea out there. Have you heard of it? Quiet quitting with employees and. I read your book, Trailblazer, which I would say is very prophetic. Um, that it's kind of like, wow, I can't believe you wrote that in 2019 because it's kind of a playbook for today. And, you know, you said in that book that when people get quiet or they're not airing their grievances is when you should be concerned. So what are you kind of hearing or what would you kind of advise business leaders out there who are, you know, kind of having this phenomenon play out in their companies? We are now post-pandemic, that's clear to everybody. We need to reconnect with our employees and our customers and our partners and our cultures and our environment in new ways. That's why this conference is important. And I think that if you're not doing that and you're letting your employees become too disconnected from you, they're gonna quiet quit. We had a great article about it in Time Magazine this week also. I felt very, you know, very connected to that article that, yeah, I need to be paying more attention to everybody and everything. And this show that's happening over the last three days, these 40,000 people, this is great. But believe me, what I come out of this and say, let's now get on the road. Let's go to every major city in the world. Let's go reconnect with everybody. Let's take this message and make sure that everyone understands it and use our offices to do it. Use our technology to use it. This is a powerful moment post pandemic, but for us to get our economy really going again, to absorb all the investments, that the world has made in the last two years, we need to get out there and really, really hustle. Yeah, um, let's talk about business. Oh, you mentioned the economy. I, I would be curious, like, what, what are you hearing? You talk to so many folks out there. What is kind of your assessment of the economy, domestically and globally? The way I look at it is a lot like these e-commerce charts. I think you've seen it, like e-commerce before the pandemic, and then it goes like this, and then after the pandemic, it goes like that. Yeah. But if you look at e-commerce from 10 years ago to today, it's pretty much up into the right. You have to kind of take out those last two years. And instead you'll see this nice solid trajectory on e-commerce, you know? And this is, I think, the way to look at the economy today. The last two years are not an example of where the economy is. An example of where the economy is, is look at 2019, look at now. Now we'll start to see a more normalized environment. Now, while that is happening, we're also seeing these unbelievable gyrations in currency. I've seen that firsthand in Japan oh, yeah. and in Europe. You're going to continue to see more of that. So there's all these adjustments happening post-pandemic. And then it's time to really say, well, what companies are going to be really successful through this? Yeah. What, what countries are going to be successful through this? And how am I going to be successful through this? And so this is a great opportunity for everyone. Or to that point, what tools do they need? And um, you all de debuted a new product. I want you to like share more about it. But Genie was your big debut here at Dreamforce, and kind of like looking at the jobs to be done framework. What are the problems that Genie helps solve for your customer base? Well, Genie is amazing. It's the first real-time CRM. It really brings in the ability to add real-time feeds into your CRM, so you're paying attention to what your customers are doing online. You know, as they make transactions or they have events. Um, it could be even on the Internet of Things. Those things that are out there, well, now they're able to be absorbed and processed inside our system of record. Our systems of record, well, that's been our core business for many years. And then we have a system of intelligence with Tableau, a system of engagement with Slack. You know, we're building a single source of truth for our customers. But you can't build a single source of truth if you're not absorbing these real-time real events. So I'll give you an example. Recently, I changed my credit card number. I just cycled it dynamically online. Why well, did that when I was talking to the agent, you know, at the bank, and they said, hey, have you cycled your 
Credit card? No, I haven't. Okay, I did it. Oh, great. But she was not able to see it. Her real-time system, the cycling of the credit card, and my system of record are not connected. But now they can be with Genie because real-time systems tend to be outside of the system of record. So now these kinds of next-generation CRM systems can have real-time events integrated with automation, with workflow, and with artificial intelligence. And it's going to make for very magical customer experiences. Like a magical experience. Let me ask you something, because that was interesting. You just shared this example of like cycling your credit card. Um, you know, you've been in this business, you're a pioneer of cloud and um, software as a service, so many different things. And you started this company in 1999. And I would just be curious, like from your vantage point or your, how do you view the world? Like when you're looking at, do you just spot a problem and see an opportunity like that? Just to do something? I really listen to my customers. This is the most important thing. In the last month, I have literally been with hundreds of customers in cities all over the world. You know, when I got on stage on Tuesday to do the keynote, and the keynote is online now, I want to make sure that I'm not myopic, that I'm not just in my own world. I think that's an issue that we all have. The best way to get out there is just to talk to people. So I'll present to them, hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? When we started with Genie, it's not, we didn't call it Genie. It didn't have a great character like this bunny rabbit you've probably seen that is that represents Genie. We had to find ways to be able to communicate what a real-time system was looking like and the magic behind it. This is why you have to be out with your customers. It's why you have to talk to your customers. It's why you need a system like Salesforce and have a customer 360, because it gives you these insights. Slack now, for example, has amazing new huddles and audio and video right in the huddle, which is cool. Again, you can really connect with your customer and your employees, and they're right inside the Slack channel. Yeah, um, I also just want to bring this up with you, the $50 billion goal. I know this is something we've talked about. You have this a dream of reaching 50 billion in revenue. Where are you on the path to that and what kind of gives you the confidence of getting there? We have a big goal. I think everyone is really motivated around that after this conference. You know, this year we did 31 billion or we're going to do 31 billion. This quarter we did 7.7 .7 billion. That's even larger than SAP. We're now the largest enterprise apps company in the world. We're very excited about that. But we also want to deliver world-class margin and we're going to increase our margin from 21% this year to 25% when we hit the 50 billion. We're also buying back $10 billion in stock. We also introduced a new lead director yesterday, Robin Washington, really transforming the company to really represent where we're going in the future. It's a very exciting moment for Salesforce and Dreamforce really represents what's happening and why yeah. it's so exciting. Well, let's talk about some of the impact that you all are focused on in Dreamforce. Environment is really big for you. Uh, there no, there's no swag here. Thank you. It's actually really nice that there's not any swag. Um, I feel like we all have too much stuff. I don't know how you feel, but sometimes too much. Y'all aren't serving beef. Um, you made some product announcements around the environment. Walk me through your views of why that's so important for you and for Salesforce. We all have our own story right now about the environment. I think every member of our family has a story about what's going on in the environment. And we can see it not only all over the world, but we can see it in our hometowns. And I think what we realize is we need to all go net zero. We need to have less emissions. We have to burn a little less coal and a little less oil. And what we need to sequester more. You know, That's why we started 1T.org, because we want to sequester 200 gigatons of carbon. We want to bring that CO2 out of the atmosphere through photosynthesis in that tree, convert it to O2. 
and we want to energize and inspire an ecopreneur revolution. Those are entrepreneurs like me who are building environmental technology. This is These are the things that are really important to us, and we're kind of laying all that out here at the conference. This is the first time I had a major keynote that I built all of the environment things in, because as I talk to customers all over the world, there's a lot of concern, and they want to know what they can do. Look, we can't all do everything, but we can all do something. And I think when it comes to the environment, this is something, an action that we can all take, including planting the tree. Yeah, I know that's your big thing is planting uh, the trees to sequester um, carbon emissions. Uh, we should also talk about community. I know that is something near and dear to you. And um, within that education, you told this story, and I want you to tell it for the folks uh, watching and listening. You walked in your neighborhood a few blocks and knocked on a middle school principal's door to adopt the school. Tell the story of how you adopted a public school and some of the bigger impacts there. Well, look, I'm a you know leader in this community. I'm the CEO of this company. And over 10 years ago, I you know see we're doing very well. We're growing. And I just thought to myself, public education needs all of our support, all of our help. So I did. I walked a few blocks, not very far. You probably know where your local public school is as well. Knocked on the door. Person came out and said, who are you? I said, I'm Mark Benioff. I'm the CEO of Salesforce. Oh, okay. We have a lot of employees here. They'd like to do volunteering. They'd like to do mentoring. Maybe we could help you build a new playground. Maybe we could help paint the building. What could we do? What are your priorities? And now that program is more than 10 years old. We've adopted 130 public schools. We also um, have given more than $100 million to our local public schools here in San Francisco and Oakland. This is very important. We have to be focused on our local public schools and our public hospitals and our public parks. We really saw that in the pandemic. I hope it's a wake up call for CEOs like me who have a lot of resources and can apply that to improving these key stakeholders. Are you seeing more people like start to adopt public schools like within you know the folks that you interact with? Are they starting to do the same thing that you did? It's not enough. You know, we, we're trying to inspire others. We're trying to role model. We're trying to show them how easy it is. But I think a lot of folks are scared to talk to the public schools. They're, they're scared to make that knock on the door. Even though they went to public schools, I went to public schools, yeah. you know, and um, I, I think we have to embrace our local communities more deeply. Yeah, get over the fear and kind of, you're giving them that like psychological yes, permission right. to knock on the door. That's right. You know, and I would also just be curious, like what kind of results have you seen uh, over the last decade or what are, what more could be done or what more, more needs to be done within our public education system? Well, the first thing that you find, number one, is that principals feel like they're not alone, that they have a willing partner in the, in the local school. When there is a problem, you get a call. Help me with this situation. Number two is we've seen much higher attendance rates, better math scores and science scores in the schools that we're working in. When our employees are in a school, it's, it's an incredible success story. And look, there's no finish line when it comes to our public schools, so we're gonna have to keep at it for a long time to come. We've done a decade of work. I see us doing multiple decades of work in the public schools. Let's talk about San Francisco. Um, this is your home city. Uh, I know San Francisco like, runs deep within you and your family. And talk to me about what is needed for San Francisco for a recovery? This. <laughs> but like, how do you sustain this? By telling people that this really can work. I think, you know, downtowns are never gonna come back exactly as they are, especially a downtown like San Francisco. 
San Francisco's downtown is very homogeneous. It's mostly offices. When the tech boom was happening, we converted all of the schools and all of the restaurants and the clubs and the art centers downtown to offices. And all we have downtown is offices. It's a very homogeneous downtown. It's not like Philadelphia where there's offices and a university and residential and restaurant on and on and on. So if you have a homogeneous downtown, you better get ready to rebalance it. That's number one. Number two is you have the ability to bring lots of people into the town. I think that we've worked closely with our mayor in this town, Mayor London Breed, say we're gonna bring 40,000 people. We're gonna give a big shot in the arm to the economy this week, $40 million. And let's send a message to everybody that San Francisco is a great place to host an event. You don't have to go to Vegas to do a mass conference. We're a beautiful city. Customers love being here. We have a phenomenal ability to be a host for so many events. This can be a major catalyst yeah. for the new economy. Here. It has been a really nice event that you all have put on and um, some like beautiful experiences. Um, okay, so how about the homeless situation? You've been focused on this for many years. Propsy, you wrote about this in your book. Um, talk to me about that situation and, and some of your suggestions or prescriptions. Homelessness is an issue that we have to look at in every major city in this country and every country. I have been to every major city in this country and homelessness is an issue in every city. Nobody escapes this issue. We don't institutionalize, we don't institutionalize affordable housing in our country and it's amazing. What we need to do is make sure that everybody has a home. You know, homes are step one. Also, we just need more programs for addiction and for mental health treatment. And we can't just leave folks who are struggling in the, you know, uh, in the world, you know, all by themselves. They need to have a key program. It's why we created Prop C. It's why we got it all the way through the Supreme Court. It's been a huge success here. Homelessness is down in San Francisco. These folks are having a very positive experience here. Homelessness is not interfering with the Dreamforce experience. There is a lot more to do. There is a lot more that San Francisco can do, but every city can do. And anybody who lives in any city other than San Francisco has a story about homelessness. And uh, we, we're, we're really having incredible funding and are focused on it. And uh, we're gonna have to make uh, great, even greater strides. Yeah. I wanna bring up a moment that I found to be very touching here at Dreamforce. And you were on stage with Matthew McConaughey and it was actually something you said. Um, he, he was talking about his late father and you talked about eternal relationships. And I don't know if yes. you remember bringing that up. And I, I reread your book over the weekend before I came here. And one of the relationships that I took away that I think has really influenced you is your grandfather. And I yes. was wondering if maybe you could talk a bit about him and how he shaped you into the person that you are today. Well, anybody who took part to come to the conference today, which is a lot of people, uh, owe, owe some debt of gratitude to my grandfather. In the 1950s, he started to look around at what was happening in San Francisco uh, and noticed that we really need rapid transit. And he designed something called the Bay Area Rapid Transit District. Going in nine Bay Area counties, he designed it as a monorail being influenced by Walt Disney. And he even had the Army Corps of Engineers architects go on the Golden Gate Bridge and the Bay Bridge so that you can go from here to the wine country you can go from here to San Jose to the East Bay. At the time, San Mateo County was starting to build their own commerce. 
and there was an incredible shopping center happening called Hillsdale. And they got very nervous that people were gonna get on this train and come to San Francisco to do their shopping. And they really rallied against it to stop BART from coming to San Mateo County. And they won. And when San Mateo County dropped out, San Jose dropped out. When San Jose dropped out, Marin Cat dropped out. And that's why we have a six county system. We've added some things since, including trains to the airport and uh, some trains to San Jose. But the reality is, his total vision never got realized. That's probably true for most visionaries. And uh, I think that that story lives on in my mind. And uh, I know that for me, I'm very influenced by him. He was a supervisor here. He was a uh, trial attorney here. He was also the president of the American Trial Lawyers, he started the California Trial Lawyers. And he would bring me to those conferences and events, which look something like this. And it is, it's probably in my subconscious that this is leadership and that you have to get out with people and you have to bring them together, you have to motivate them and you have to excite them for your vision. Yeah, and two other um, forces in your life that are the influences, um, the late General Colin Powell, yes. Steve Jobs. You you were an intern for at Apple and you used to talk to him when you'd go by your desk. I love those anecdotes. Can you tell me a bit about those influences and how they also shaped you? Well, these folks who I met along the way, they built these incredible relationships with me and always followed up with me and helped me to move forward. That's why we were the first enterprise software company to have an app exchange. Because Steve Jobs brought me down to Apple and said, Mark, what you're doing is great, but you need to have an application economy. At the time, I didn't know what it meant, you know, but now we all know what an application economy looks like. It looks like App Store. At the time, I actually bought AppStore.com and trademarked the App Store URL and when he launched App Store, I gave them those assets to Apple for no charge. And we launched our product as App Exchange. But Colin Powell is very different. It's really the first time that I met a leader who was values-based. Somebody who really said to me, Mark, you really need to think about what is important to you. What kind of values and ethics are you gonna have inside your organization? What kind of leader are you gonna represent being? And that really took my leadership up a level. And him being on the board, when we had a crisis, he would take control of the board and he would lead us through it. He was an amazing, amazing leader. We're all very grateful for his life. Yeah, and it's it's fascinating just to see the way it shaped you and also um, Salesforce. Um, one final question, you you built Salesforce in 1999. That was right, right around the dot-com um, bubble burst. And there are a lot of folks out there who are probably gonna be building now, maybe during more turbulent times. What would you say to that young next generation entrepreneur if they're starting out today? Keep going. Believe in yourself. Keep a positive attitude. Think about what do you really want. Write it down. Ten words. Focus on it. Write down your values. What's important to you? Prioritize them. If everything is important, nothing is important. Write it down. Operationalize those values in your company. What is really important about these things? And then how will you achieve each value? What is preventing you from achieving each value? How will you know that you've achieved each value? Write it down, write it down, get clear, get clear. Keep iterating and then go forward again. That's the V2 mom, but the operationalizing your values is probably the hardest part. It's the hardest part. Yeah. It is, because how do you get trust? How do you get customer success? How do you get innovation? How do you get equality? How do you get sustainability? Talked about sustainability. How do we get sustainability? Net zero, trillion trees, ecopreneur revelation. This is how we get sustainability. This is really important. 50% clean energy by 2030. 
this is how we operationalize sustainability. Mark Benioff, co-CEO and chair of Salesforce. Thank you so much. It was really great being with you. Great being with you. Thank you. As always.